Humans are designed to thrive when they have to struggle. In the absence of struggle, do we just create it because maybe we need it? And is there some kind of truth in the old trope of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? I'm Rania Dubé, and welcome to How to Be Less of an Asshole, a channel where self-awareness is the only answer to our problems. This podcast aims to look at human behavior through the lens of history to better understand how we've become the people we are today with hopes of inspiring you to do the same. This week, I talked with my friend Kirsten about the time she hiked the Holling Peak in Canmore and how this man in 1896 managed to hike it more quickly than a group of people in 2023. So do you know if he actually completed the hike faster than you? Um, yeah, so I think what happened was he was in town working and he said that he was going to go do it and he was going to, and he, he set a time limit of the time that he would accomplish it in. And so we drove probably 25 minutes on a dirt road to get to the parking lot. So he, he had to hike that all the way from town. So we did the hike. It took us two hours to get from the parking lot to the peak. So we sat at the top for an hour and a half. And then it took us about, I don't know, an hour and 10 maybe or an hour and 15 to get back down to the vehicle. So for us, it was probably six hours. And um, so if he left at seven in the morning and you said he was back by noon. So yeah, he did it faster in the 1800s with who knows what kind of footwear he had on. So after we spoke about this, I mentioned how technology was supposed to be making our lives easier. But the more we thought about all of these things, you pointed out that it's also maybe making our lives easier, but that we're actually becoming weaker because of it. Weaker, softer, yeah. Yeah, softer. So the first thing I want to talk about is what are the consequences of our lives being easier? We haven't, I don't think we've been able to anticipate those consequences when we develop these things in order to make our lives easier because we, we're greedy and we're lazy. And so we're looking for a shortcut. So we develop these apps and software and technology and machines and all these things thinking once we have this technology in place, we're going to have more time to do the things that we enjoy. And I think that we think, you know, we'll have more time to do the to recreate and do the things that we enjoy. But really, we don't use the like once we create this time for ourselves, we don't actually use it in a way that's positive for ourselves. So of course you want to live a relaxed life, but I'm starting to wonder if it's making us less capable of dealing with everyday things that would have been so trivial for, let's say, my grandmother and her mother. Whereas now I can see people around me and we seem to be getting, and I don't know if weaker is the correct word, but whether it's weaker, we seem physically and mentally less capable of handling basic everyday things. And complacent. And we've talked about how struggle is part of our evolution, including how we got here. And when you look at it from a biological point of view, how it's actually the genes of the people who were probably best at struggling that evolved into the beings of everyone who's on earth right now. So when you see struggle or something hard, why should we all run towards it and embrace it? 
I think again, when I talk about the Vedas and the scriptures and stuff, how they're they're still relevant, things that were written thousands of years ago. I think that if we think about the struggle that we dealt with, let's say 800 years ago, a struggle to have food that is safe to eat, a struggle to have enough food to make it through the winter season, um, struggle to have shelter that kept the rain off of us or kept the heat in. So our struggles were very physical. And as our technological world has advanced, those physical struggles have become less. It's really easy for us to go and get groceries or obtain food in comparison to what it was hundreds of years ago. It's very easy for us to obtain clothing, whereas before we'd have to go out and kill an animal to get the fur or the wool or whatever in order to um or or raise an animal in order to have that and then and then make the yarn and then weave the yarn and very complex versus just going to the store and buying a piece of clothing so that physical struggle has really diminished with technology but on the contrary to that our mental struggle has exacerbated so we didn't really have time for mental struggle so much when we were struggling physically because we were just putting our energy into doing things that were necessary for our, our survival slash comfort. Whereas now the survival part has been taken care of. So it's just the comfort aspect. And as we have made this transition from more physical challenges to less physical challenges, our, we've just internalized that and made it mental challenges. I think that it seems to me that the mental health of human society now currently has declined drastically in direct relationship to the diminishment of our physical struggles. It's funny you say that because recently I've been thinking about the divide that lives inside of all of us. And I wonder if that internal divide just started getting worse and worse when we had less and less physical things to worry about. And this is probably how and why we also started creating more struggle for ourselves and others. And not necessarily good struggle, because I think that there's good struggle and bad struggle. I was thinking about this when I went to the doctor the other day, and I have MS. And before getting diagnosed, I went through a lot of bad struggle, like just being stressed out for no good reason at all for things like work. And my family sometimes says that I should go see if I can get benefits or whatever from the government. And when I spoke to my doctor about it, it was really interesting because she said, if you do that, if you stop pushing yourself, you're just going to get worse. So there's this idea that we're always talking about the importance of struggle and doing the hard things, but I also really keep thinking that we have to distinguish between good and bad struggle. Good struggle for me is getting up in the morning and exercising even though I don't feel like it and knowing it's going to be physically hard and I'm going to be tired the whole time. Then there's also this idea of struggle that's not good, that's self-imposed, like you said, the mental problems that we're creating for ourselves and others. So if we were to become aware again of pushing ourselves when we don't feel like it so we can be more resilient and strong, what would be the difference between focusing on hard things, but then also understanding when we actually do need to rest? 
I think there's two things I want to speak to there. And one is um, connection with nature. And then two is the idea of learning how to listen to the body versus listening to the mind or the ego. So that connection with nature, I think that when we, um, you know, years ago, year, hundreds of years ago, when our struggle was more physical, the physical struggle that we were participating in kept us somewhat connected with nature because that struggle was like growing our own food or harvesting our own food or foraging for our own food. And all of those things had us out participating with nature, which keeps us relatively grounded and is healthy for our mindset because there's endorphins that are released in the body when we're doing those activities that do help to keep us healthy. So when we're considering this topic, choosing actively to participate in things that keep us closer to nature, I think helps to balance that the state of mind so that we're not participating in dramatic events in order to uh, continue the addiction we have to struggle. Does that make sense? When you say addiction to struggle, what do you mean by that? Like emotional struggle instead of actual real struggle that we should be focusing on because there are two different types of struggles, right? Yeah. I th I mean, I think as humans, we've been struggling for a long, 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 long time. And so it's what's familiar. So as we've lessened the physical struggle, we haven't really acknowledged that we sort of have an addiction to struggle just because it's familiar. There's a lot of things that we do, we do be not be necessarily because they're good for us, but because they're familiar. And when you say that, what kind of struggles do you think we're addicted to? Well, we, we you know, we definitely create upheaval. We create drama. I think our political system is a good place that we can look at to see that. And also the, the world of entertainment, like television. We look at things that people like to watch on TV in order to be entertained. They generally contain some kind of struggle. And so I think, again, because the familiar, the feeling of struggle, the feeling of upheaval or the feeling of drama is habitual for us. We don't know how to really settle without it. Like in the conversation that we had earlier about the grip that we hold on our identifications, we don't really know how to soften and loosen that so that we can relax, so that we can struggle. Only because it's not familiar. And so because struggle is familiar, we recreate it over and over and over and over and over again in various different ways struggle, you know, in relationships, struggle in conversations, struggle in the idea that we don't necessarily always have to agree. So it's weird that one type of struggle, we're attracted to it and it really doesn't help us, but for some reason we have the energy to do it. But then when it's time to struggle in a way that's good for us, we think it's too hard and we get lazy about it. And I never realized that we were the ones actually creating the struggle that isn't good for us. Yeah, and I think that we're not necessarily consciously making that choice. It's very habitual. It's very patterned. It's kind of rained down on us when we're born into human society. It's, it's just 
yeah, it's, it's rained down on us. But then as we develop an awareness around it, we begin to see the patterns, then we can begin to actually consciously, we use that word conscious, what's witnessing from the back, make choices to move away from that, make choices not to invite those things into our life that cause the kind of struggle that isn't really actually good for us and then choose the resilience that it takes to go in the other direction chop the vegetables do the exercise spend time outside maybe in the rain when we don't necessarily you know a part of us doesn't want to go out there and get wet but but we know that the fresh air is good for us so we go anyways yeah turn our focus to the struggles we don't feel like facing because in the long run it probably would minimize the non-necessarily struggle that we just keep creating when things get easy I think also that when we're out in nature, we're more likely to take a little bit of that time and use it for reflection. And that where we're at in the state of mental health of our society, reflection is hard because we have a lot of wounds to look at. We have a lot of wounds to lean into. And when we when we're scrolling, we're probably completely avoiding those wounds when we're out in nature and we're, we have a connectedness with the natural world we're more inclined to lean into those wounds or take the time to explore them and that is a that's a place that a lot of us are so uncomfortable going to that we find anything to distract us away from it I wrote words that I think are related to struggle and discomfort came up it's something that we've talked about in the past where you'll mention all the things that are uncomfortable about living and now seeing the two different types of struggle where the not good struggle is really easy and you don't have to sit with yourself because you'll either be yelling at someone or not being kind. And then the other type of struggle, it really involves what we deem negative, hard and uncomfortable, but it's good for us. It's like we're wired to not want to do uncomfortable things. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so the idea of discomfort. If I were going to allow my ego to categorize discomfort, my ego would put it into the bad section or the negative section. My higher self understands that discomfort can simply be called sensation. And I don't need to categorize it as a good sensation or a bad sensation, simply that it is a sensation. Because things I might put into the good or bad category actually can have equal value. And when I can see them from the equal value point of view, then I don't need to categorize discomfort as a bad sensation, just simply a sensation, which then can allow me to lean into it instead of away from it. And when I lean into it, I can gain valuable information from that inquiry. When I lean away from it and I go and distract myself with some behavior that's not serving in a positive way, I get the lesson from it. And then, you know, what happens when we don't get the lesson? It comes harder next time. It comes more uncomfortable next time. The last thing I want to talk about is parents giving their kids everything they want. 
When I was younger, my mother would always explain what she had experienced in her childhood and that she didn't want us experiencing the same. What do you think that we should be teaching our children even though I'm not a mother? But I think a lot about it when hearing parents talk about what it's like to have children. I know it's much harder having to repeat the same thing over and over and negotiating with a small person rather than just giving them the screen so that they can stop talking. But are we creating a generation of people that won't be able to handle anything as they grow older if this is how we deal with it? And again, I'm not a parent, so I say this knowing that I would probably just give them the screen. I think it's really hard to to give parenting advice. I think actually, I, don't, I think it's hard to give advice at all, actually. I've learned through my short time in this body that I don't have what it takes to effectively pass judgment. And in order to give advice, I would have to make a judgment of who's doing what right and who's doing what wrong. And I am never... I'm not at this point in my existence, I'm not capable of seeing everything from all the places and all the times. And I would need to be able to see parenting from all the places and all the times to give advice about how we should be doing it. <laughs> I So I when I think about that, I think about my trust in the life force that keeps us experiencing and I've decided to I've decided to trust that that life force knows what it's doing and that it is consciously aware of all of the aspects of itself all at once and that it is guiding us in the right direction and that when I trust that that's happening I don't need to interfere with the decisions of other parents and I don't need to concern myself with whether they're doing it right or wrong. And I don't need to concern myself with whether this generation is going to turn out weak or strong or anything. Um, but and what I so what I really need to do is I need to keep looking at myself. I need to le- keep looking at my own accountability. I need to keep looking at how I react to the situations that are happening around me. And whether my actions are generating sorrow in my life or whether they're moving me towards peace and joy. And I know that in the past, when I have given advice, it generally turns out badly. And it it generally, or no, I should say it generally creates sorrow in my world. And when I refrain from giving advice and I don't interfere with what other people are up to, I'm moving closer to my own sense of peace and joy. And ultimately, how I'm going to serve this world best is by finding my own peace and my own joy. And remembering that the answers are like within myself, but also the answers are within themselves too. So me giving them the answer, what is the answer for me? may not necessarily be the same answer for someone else. And so for me to focus on myself and my own accountability is going to be far more productive in my goal of harmony within our society than any other uh, path I try to take.
So that's it for this week. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And please remember, being aware of what we are all generating creates the world we live in. Make sure to choose healthy struggles and to minimize the unhealthy ones. We'd like to thank the pretties for providing the music for our podcast. And until next time, please remember, kindness is contagious. podcast is a production of Unfiltered Studios. If you would like to know more about joining Unfiltered Studios, please visit our website at unfpod.com for more information.